Welcome back in to the Wildcats Press Pass. I'm Cameron Beal with Bracket Lines alongside and special guest in studio. He won't be making an appearance, but Josh Shaw is here. Fresh off his recording of Inside the Wit. Should be out today or tomorrow. We're Little plug. This Monday. Yeah, slight plug. In Bracket yesterday, so obviously we're at the men's soccer game. You and I were both there. I was in the bathroom right before the game, and I was approached by one Mike Murphy, who had a bone to pick with you, and he did not want me to tell you about this beforehand. He wanted me to put this upon you on the podcast big fan of the show by the, by the way <laughs> so on the spot right now thank My you goodness. mike murphy approaches me in the men's room he goes i've got a bone to pick with that bracket lions i'm like what is it murph and he goes did you know that he's got murphy in his name and he just leaves that <laughs> this, out <laughs> this he's he's picked this bone with me <laughs> i told him you i told him you were in the building if he wanted to go have a word with you he told me he wanted me to do it put you on the spot here so what do you have to say to one mike murphy i mean the man, f- the man who puts dinner on the table for us. <laughs> <laughs> Our breadwinner. I mean, it's my middle name. It's not like like most people you know don't go by their middle name. That's not a very common thing. It happens. Um, also, most of my friends from high school call me Murph. So, And I think I've told him that if he wants to call me Murph, he can, but that would just be a confusing exchange. If we're calling each other Murph back and forth, that's reasonable. I mean, that's what people call him. I'm friends with a lot of Cams. We call each other Cam. Well, yeah, but like, <laughs> that's your first name. Like, why would I opt out of having a different name than him? Like, just going by a nickname to be called the same thing. Yeah, that's just going to create confusion. We're in the same bubble here at UNH, and it would just be like, oh, which Murph do you mean? And I feel like you know that's confusion we don't need. Maybe right. once I spread my wings and fly off from Durham. You know, maybe Murphy takes, you know, more of a driver's seat in my name. Um, I have no hate for Murphy as a name. I think it's a good one. It's my grandmother's maiden name. Um, you know, it calls to my Irish roots. But, you know, I feel like he's pushing this on me. Like, I should be so overtly proud to have Murphy anywhere in my name when it is my middle name. Are like, you not overtly proud to have it in your middle in your name? I mean, I like it. I think it's a solid middle name. Shout out my mom, you know, threw a real wrench in the naming category with Bracket Murphy Lions, but like should I be introducing people? Like should I have the first time I met Mike Murphy? Well, I guess his name's Mike Murphy, so that could have been an anecdote. But like, should I walk in and be like, yeah, bracket Murphy Lions every single time? It would definitely set the tone. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, I guess. What's <laughs> your tone, Like, if you walked in and sure. said it, Cam. Cameron Jason Beal, nice to meet you. Yeah, that, like, I would be like, your name's Cameron Jason? I would think it's a hyphenate. <laughs> like, it's just a strange thing. Um, so I guess this will be the true test if Mike Murphy, I believe his title is head of athletic communications here. If he actually does listen to the podcast, this will be a true test. Because I'm not going to mention this to him. I want him to bring it up with me to see if he actually listens to this. Because he, he told me in the bathroom yesterday he was our biggest fan. All right. Well, if he's our biggest fan, you know, hopefully it stays that way after <laughs> I feel like I've, you know, maybe rebuffed or rebuked his his Murphy bonding attempts. But I don't know. I thought we were on good terms. Maybe. It seems like you are. He, he, he did call you a soccer whiz once. Call uh, me a soccer whiz. That was nice. I don't know if I am. I think I just have a basic understanding of the game, but I guess that's pretty good for Durham. All right, Bracket. Well, let's put that to the test right now. <laughs> the 16th-seeded New Hampshire Wildcats hosted the North Carolina Tar Heels in Durham yesterday afternoon on Sunday. Um, and this was a game I had had my doubts going into it. Um, you know, New Hampshire hasn't been incredibly successful in the national tournament 
this past four or five years or so. And, you know, not coming out of a Power 5 conference, just the America East, and facing an ACC opponent where they have eight teams representing them in this tournament more than any other conference in the nation. I had my, my doubts going into Sunday. But, man, oh, man, did that, did that loss against Vermont just really, you know, leave a bad taste in the Wildcats' mouth? Yeah, and this was the mouthwash. I mean, <laughs> 4-1, <laughs> this was a, a beating. Um, what did they score there? Because, you know, they, they opened with a Bridger Hansen. I don't know if you could call it a full bicycle, but an overhead kick after hurdling a defender. Sports Center top ten, yeah, play, number sports, ten, number ten um, for a defender. Let's point that out. Um, and then a minute later, they concede for it to be tied. And I kind of had that uh oh feeling. Was that going to be a momentum shift? And right after that, I don't know if you remember, North Carolina had a chance just probably less than three minutes later, like point blank in front of the Nens. I don't even know. How, I don't know how you get under the ball enough to even shoot that one. Remarkably high. under the ball. Point blank. Like, yeah. You just got to tap it in, and they shot it high somehow. Yeah. So that game easily, the Wildcats could have been down two one easily there. Yeah, and if they go down two one, I think they probably still come back to win. They scored three goals in eight minutes. They were on fire for a stretch there, and this is all the first half. Every goal, there were five goals in this game. You know, the last one was literally with six seconds left um, in the first half. What a performance. I think a, it felt like a prove-it game, a prove-it performance for UNH. Um, I think this says to the committee, like, hey, you might have gotten it wrong. Maybe we're not a 16 seed. Um, either way, they're still now having to play the number one Oregon State Beavers. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about this game. Just top to bottom, they did so well except for you got to say that one minute where they kind of switched off for that goal yeah there was that lapse in the first half where the defense just kind of let a few balls through and I don't know if this is something you know me just in my elementary knowledge of soccer it seems like North Carolina was going with a lot of you know real low crossers and they found their way through the legs of the defense where maybe UNH's I don't know if this is something you look for in a soccer team or what but just something I noticed on the cause, North Carolina went with a lot of low crossers that seemed to get through the defense relatively easily. Yeah, and I think I saw UNH kind of fix that. I think after halftime, um, Coach Hubbard probably you know talked to them, or at least the defense just got together and talked about it because they were closing out a lot better. And closing out is the key to stopping a low cross or a high cross. Um, but high crosses were not going to do it for UNC because they were just out muscled uh, in the box. So I think you know. It was smart for them to go for those low crosses, and that was their little bit of success that they had. But overall, I think UNH's defense just got organized, and they had a hell of a game, and they really just shut down the Tar Heels. And do you think, um, I know we talked about this last time, Yannick Bright getting injured midway through the uh, the conference championship game kind of stunted the the offense in the second half of that game you know having trouble facilitating through the middle of the field do you think having him back in the lineup was was the key difference like we suspected yeah and I think if you want to call him the key I think that might be giving it a too much just to him I think it was players that we didn't see uh in that conference championship game being the key altogether but Bright had you know a great game very solid performance from him um, he had one play that stood out to me. It was kind of N'Golo Conte-esque. Um, there's a soccer deep cut for you. Can't, that one right over Cam's yep, head, I guarantee yep, it. Um, <laughs> Conte, one of the best kind of defensive midfielders in the world. And he, so Bright, in one you know three-second period, 
he stops a UNC attack, tackles at midfield, then just turns on his heel and laces a through ball up the field. And it was just sort of, that's enigmatic of what this player does and brings to your team. He's both covering his back line and kickstarting your attack. And in that case, it was within three seconds. Um, but I think we should also really add that Chris Pinkham was a, a jump start to this offense. Um, he gets an assist. He was launching in, which is one of his specialties, just massive throw-ins. I don't know if you noticed that, Cam, yeah. but he does it. He's been doing it all year, and he does it all the time. When he's on the near side of the field, the stadium side, he backs all the way up to where the stands begin, like all the way back to that brick wall. Gets a full running start across all eight lanes of the track before bombing it. Like he could toss it into the goal if he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, no, I mean he. It's a, it's a corner every time you get a throw in in that final third because he can just put it in there. And I think, was it the Hansen goal that Pinkham threw one in on that one? Or maybe I'm wrong. Pinkham had the cross on that one, I believe. It wasn't a throw in. Okay, yeah, because I know he did get the hockey assist yeah. for it. Um, but he was just constantly creating trouble, and that is so hard to defend because UNH can bring up guys like Hansen, these you know bigger players, and UNC is being forced to defend throw-ins like it's a corner. That's going to wear your defense down and lead to some disorganization. Um, and I think Pinkham just had a great game, and it was so good for UNH to have him back. Um, and it was just a healthier, stronger, and sharper UNH team. And another guy who missed the previous two games similar to Pinkham was Victor Minutier, who we talked about on the way home from the game, still yet to score his first goal in the season after. I think he led the team in the spring, if not he was second or third, um, one of their top goal scorers. Even he made a difference yesterday without finding the back of the net. He had a lot of good opportunities you know, to draw the defense away from some of the other weapons they have, like Tola or Rory or Johan von Niebel. So even having him back in the lineup as a potential scoring threat with his speed and athleticism up at the top of that formation is definitely a difference maker in my eyes too. Yeah, he put in a, a solid 47 minutes, uh, gets an assist on the day, and I think he was really, like you said, you know, he wasn't the one scoring, but he was just in and around, be, making decoy runs, making runs, making the defense focus on him too. Um, I'd love to see him get a goal. It's uh, unbelievable. It's shocking. It's one of the he, more, like, I, I don't know if you have the number in front of you. I can't remember what it is. In the spring, he was – I'm not sure. He I think he got an all-conference selection. He was one of the top two goal scorers on the team, I think. Um, he, I think he won the tournament MVP uh, for the conference. Like He was unbelievable in the spring, specifically towards the end. And he just has not been able to get back in that groove this year. Yeah, and I don't know how much of it is health. He has you know, missed games here and there. But it's it's certainly bizarre. You'd think – You'd think he'd be the same player, and he looks, when he's out there, strong, healthy, fit, making all the right decisions, just not finding that finish. And maybe it's just one of those things where it's a deep UNH team, and maybe the goals are just coming for you know Tola and other players, and it's just kind of he's on the outside looking in a little bit. Um, but credit to him. He got that assist. He played great, and I'm sure he's happy with his performance. What do you think of the forwards yesterday? Because after Vermont, we talked about – um, you know, I know Linus Falberg, he's a midfielder, but plays up towards the top of the formation a lot. And he didn't do much in the championship game. Tolo found himself deep in the corners a lot, which is something we've said in the past is not where he's most effective. So what do you think of the forwards in general? Even Paul Mayer made uh, some plays, almost scored a couple goals. Yeah, I think it's a, a great day for the forwards. Um, and as much as we had kind of stressed, like, you know, these forwards, they got to score, they got to get their goals they were also just playing so well with the team. It was that fluid attack. Um, 
like Tola, we've said so much, make him the target man, get him in the box. But he supplies a beautiful cross to find the head of Rory yeah. O'Driscoll, of all people, <laughs> which felt so backwards, but it worked out, and it was a great attacking move. Yeah, Rory getting a header for the goal didn't feel right. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> – I doubt he scored many headers in his career. Um, but, hey, he finished it. He knew what he wanted to do with the ball, and, um, you know, great. I think that that was my favorite goal of the day. You know, we have that amazing Bridger one, which was kind of just this broken play. Ball pops up in the air. He hurdles a guy and – you know, does that overhead kick. Unbelievable individual play. But the team goal, the build-up for O'Driscoll was just inch perfect. I mean, they were just firing the ball, moving up the pitch on a counterattack. Um, it felt like everyone knew exactly what they wanted to the, do with the ball the second they got it, and it was just so quick. Um, and Sherwin Me fires in a great cross. Uh, there were two in the box. I forget who it was. Gould. Really, Was it Gould right by O'Driscoll? Oh, wait, um, oh, on that one? I'm on not a, sure. I can check. Yeah, but um, sa- you're right. Same thing with Gould's goal. Um, Shawunmi, I don't know if he tried to get his head on it or at the last second realized he should leave it for Gould. Um, but that was the same thing. You have two UNH players in the box looking like they could score. Um, that's when you know your defense is in trouble if you're UNC. Two guys in the, two guys unmarked in the box with a cross coming in. That's never good. That was that was Gould in the box with Rory. Okay, so a little like for like there. Um but yeah, just phenomenal play. Um, Von Nebel gets that poacher's chance. Really, it was a mistake in the back line for UNC. Yeah, just a free run at the net. Yeah, the, the entire had the entire half of the field to himself. Yeah, and that one ended the game. Really, you got to say because I mean that'll break your spirit. There were six seconds left in the half. They just needed, you know, hold on the ball. You're going down, going into the locker room down two. Instead, you totally whiff, and then Von Nebel races in and scores. Um, the- and that got Wildcat rocking. Yeah. Did you have any particular thoughts on the starting lineup yesterday? They started with Tola and um, Jacob Gould on the bat on the bench in place of Paul Mayer and Victor Minutier, who they usually the other way around, but we've seen it this way in the past. Yeah. I mean, Coach Hubbard has done this before, and I think it really is the strength of this team that they can do that whenever they want. If they want to give a team a different look. Um, as well as us, a different look. I think it definitely caught us by surprise because Shawami has been so embedded with Gould as that front two that starts games. Um, but I think it works, you got to say. Um, you know, Mare and Minoudier work well together. They were physical, they were fast, and they were, you know, stretching the game out, making that back line work, um, and just kind of tiring them out. And I got a feel for those defenders. You have, you know, Minoudier <laughs> and Mare in there just running about firing shots making you work so hard they get subbed out and now you have to deal with jacob gould and tolisha won me i mean that doesn't sound fun no not even a little bit yeah not even a little bit um i think it was a you know it was a good good day for mark hubbard with his coaching uh decisions um you know we get the return of pinkham which really was great for this team bright is healthy one thing that made me a little nervous is when this game was over bright stayed in the game until he had to leave with what looked like an injury but turned out to luckily just be cramp um he played 87 minutes he i would have 87 minutes wow yeah 87 <laughs> towards half. the end of the first half didn't he go down too but he stayed in yeah he took a hard it was one of the yellow cards in the game he took a hard challenge um someone came in through his ankles from behind and just was studs up into him and that's one of those injuries you're not sure you know is it just ow, that really hurt, I just got cleated, or yeah. there's something, you know, 
wrong there. Um, looked like he was okay after that, so we'll hope it's the same thing. Rory is another guy who's also – we talked about it last week. He took a beating against Vermont, even – yesterday against North Carolina he hit the deck a handful of times so he's yeah been, I mean it's got to be bruised up at this point yeah it was not as physical a game as it was Vermont because Vermont play so physical but um certainly Rory is always in the mix and I feel like he's got that feistiness to him that he's always going to end up on the ground or putting someone else on the ground um but yeah he was in the thick of it as he usually is um I'd say a solid performance for him absolutely obviously he gets the goal but he's just kind of in and around play in that midfield. Um, it's hard to pick any Wildcat, honestly, who had a bad day. Um, maybe Bilal Kamal, but he just didn't really have to do that much. And I think he did end up with, did he get an assist? Maybe a hockey one. And um, one last guy who I wanted to talk about. We mentioned him briefly earlier on the offensive end, but Bridger Hansen, it feels like nobody's had a better you know, since the start of the America East tournament, it feels like nobody on the Wildcats has played as well-rounded as he has. Yeah, and I think you got to say he's one of those guys that looks like he's raised his level. Obviously, an elite defender in the regular season throughout and an All-American last uh, spring. And we talked about it. Even during the regular season, there were a handful of games, I think it was the Harvard one specifically, where you came out and saying he just didn't look right, didn't look like himself out there. Yeah, there was just some few off performances, which I think it's, you know, the best players we're going to judge the harshest so it's so noticeable when he's not himself out there but it was so noticeable that he was himself uh this game and just all throughout even in the championship a bad game for the team a good game for him he's just sliding in i mean the amount of times the crowd cheered him for a defensive tackle was astounding not something you see very often (laughs) yeah no i mean they were cheering it on like he was scoring goals because he was just you know ending unc attacks you know, before they could begin or just cutting off a pass or coming in physically and just pushing a guy off the ball and taking possession. And I imagine for those UNC forwards, they were just like, oh, my God, this guy. Like, he won't leave us alone. He was just all over him. Um, and then obviously scores a Sports Center top 10 goal to cut that off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll look ahead now. Obviously, New Hampshire is going to get the winner of top-seeded, the Oregon State Beavers or the St. John's. That was Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern from Oregon State. What's that mascot? The St. John's what? Uh, I, I think it's – I thought it was the Johnnies I, on the broadcast last night. I think they, I thought I heard the Red Storm. I'm going to go with the Johnnies. Yeah, I like the Johnnies better, but I think I did hear that. I think their formal mascot is probably the Red Storm. Yeah, they're the Johnnies. The Red Storm. Thank nah, you, they're the Johnnies. Fact checker. The St. John's Johnnies is what I said on the broadcast. I, di- I disagree with that fact. <laughs> I'm I know going they with call the themselves the Johnnies, but like, probably just a That's little, such in, a good nickname. Informally. Huh? <laughs> Imagine your mascot. It's just a guy named John. The Johnnies. Anyway, um, tough night for the Johnnies. Yeah, no, the Johnnies fell... Two to nothing at the hands of the Beavers. The Johnnies and the Beavers. Johnnies versus Beavers. Um, so New Hampshire will have to go on the road. They were holding a hope for, you know, probably that would have been the biggest upset in the tournament if St. John's was able to go into Oregon State to take them down. It would have set up New Hampshire for another home game. Man, but, would I have loved to see it. But Oh, yeah. Would have been unbelievable. But now the Wildcats will go on the road to Oregon State Sunday night next weekend, 9 p.m. Eastern. Anything in particular you're looking at here, Bracket? I mean, I think, like I said, this felt like a prove-it game for UNH, um, proving that maybe the 16 seed was too low for them. Um, but now they do have that big test. But I think this is going to be a battle. Um, we'll see how they travel. You know, they're going across the country. They're playing at 
9 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'm not sure when they'll go, so jet lag wise, yeah. but um, certainly a test. But I think when they can pass, I, I like call me crazy. I got a good feeling. I, I just have a good feeling. I kind of do too. I was watching the broadcast last night, and I, I I haven't done any research on the Johnnies, but I heard the broadcaster saying, you know, St. John's is known for their defense. They let up, I think it was .5 goals per game heading into last night. And New Hampshire before yesterday was .42. Granted, probably, I don't know what type of, what, what conferences are St. John's in, do we know? Big the, East? Honestly. Might be the Big East. Or New Josh, East. stats, let's go. They're from New York, so. My guess is Big East. (laughs) (laughs) Go to their schedule and go to the conference games and see what it says. It doesn't say it. (laughs) Hold on. I'll get on it. This is how journalism is done, ladies and gentlemen. Oregon State are in the Pac-12. Yep. We know that. Big East. <laughs> Big East. All right. Nailed it. Good work, Josh. <laughs> um, Big, Big East, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, St. John's, they're in the Big East. What was I even talking about? Oh, so they allowed .5 goals per game heading into last night. Obviously, they probably have tougher competition than UNH has, uh, but New Hampshire was .42 heading into Sunday. And so, St. John's, they kept they kept the Beavers to two goals. Yeah. They're, what, 65 minutes apart, I think you said? Uh, 75. Like 75, was, yeah. Yeah. It was in the 11th minute and the 85th, so. so yeah, you got to think New Hampshire's going to be able to minimize their offense a little bit, and I'm excited to see what the New Hampshire offense will look like out there. Yeah, and, sir, I mean, two goals, let's be clear. Oregon State had 15 shots, eight on goal to – St. Sean's six shots, zero on goal. Yeah. So it was, you know, a dominant two nothing victory, but I was certainly surprised to see it only be two nothing. Um and that gave me more hope going into this that, you know, our defense and UNHC's defense it's so good, you gotta think they can do at least that well and then if our offense clicks, they can score on anyone, I feel like. I just I don't know. I just and I feel like they're gonna win. And you've gotta think just you know, mentally, again, I, I haven't followed the Beavers incredibly close, but, you know, they jump up to number one out of nowhere, really. I don't think they were in the top ten earlier on, and then they beat, I think it was either Marshall or Washington or Georgetown, someone, whoever was number one at the time. Oregon State beat them out of nowhere, and they jump all the way up to top three. They might have even been first. Um, so they kind of come in late to the top five, they win the conference, they get the one seed, you know, they kind of, I don't. I, I can't think of the word, but they kind of easily roll over St. John's two to nothing, easy win in New Hampshire. They're coming off. They could have won their fourth straight conference title. Their only loss in the season obviously leaves a bad taste in their mouth. They come out shot out of a cannon against North Carolina, four to one. So you got to feel like maybe I don't want to say catch the Beavers sleeping, but like you, you say gotta, the Cats are hungry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to think they've got a little bit more of a fire under them right now than the Beavers, maybe. Yeah, I think we can hope for because we obviously we can't get in the minds of Oregon State or UNH, but maybe Oregon State they're in that. Oh, we don't want to lose. We don't. We're the one seed now. There's all that pressure. We don't want to lose. UNH just wants to go up there and win. They just want to take it. They're the away team. And it's the pressure of, is on Oregon State. Absolutely. I mean, if you're coming in as the tournament fa- tournament favorite, you know, 
that's going to just weigh on you. UNH, you got put down to 16. You got nothing to lose. You're just going for it. So I think they just got to come out swinging and say, we can play anyone in the country. And they have said that. They've said on their day, they will beat anyone. So I think they can beat Oregon State if it, if they're on their game. And it's worth noting, New Hampshire, before the conference tournament or the championship, they were number six. The NCAA ranks them 16. But on, I believe it was October 12th, New Hampshire jumped all the way up to four in the nation. Yeah. And I'm not sure where Oregon State was in that particular poll, but New Hampshire was a top five team at one point this season. It It really is so much closer in terms of you know it's not that one to 16 gap this is two very good teams going two up top five top 10 programs yeah. in the country so i you gotta believe gotta believe that gonna do it that's gonna do it okay all right